Hey everyone, and welcome back in to the BT Powerhouse Podcast. As always, I am the host, Thomas Bendit, and we are back for the 2018-19 season. Apologize for the couple of months off here. It's just been busy. A lot of things have been going on on a lot of different fronts. Uh, so unfortunately, we have been able to get to the podcast, uh, or get it to you rather, um, but we are back. Uh, we're going to be going strong here straight through the start of the season uh, next month. Yes, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're just over a month away from Big Ten Hoops, which is really exciting. But today we're going to sort of check in, talk about some of the offseason stuff, talk about the schedule released recently. Um, and to help me chat, we have uh, one of our writers, uh, Jerry Sherwin. Hey, man, how's it going? Good, Thomas. What's going on? Good, yeah, yeah. Excited to get back in action here. Uh, it's been too long. Uh, what have you been up to uh, over the summer here? Oh, over the summer was a big life change. Uh, from going from Iowa to Florida, now I am living in the great state of Philadelphia, or what my family continues <laughs> to call the city of champions. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, it must be a fun time there with the Eagles um, winning. I Maybe you missed that a little bit, but hey, uh, something fun going on. Um, here where I am in Detroit, we have the Lions, so uh, not not too much not, to celebrate. Not as champion-like. <laughs> not as champion-like. <laughs> they try. They try their best. Uh, just isn't very good. Uh, but anyway, um, so some fun stuff to talk about here. Um, let's start with you know it's been a while. I I genuinely think the last podcast here on BT Powerhouse was. Um, right before the national championship game last year where Michigan fell to Villanova um, in a, yeah, I, I wouldn't say the most entertaining game, but a fun game. Uh, nonetheless, um, any, anything stick out to you, I guess, over this off season, anything uh, catch your eye? I mean, we're talking a couple months here, um, but any, anything that you think worth is worthwhile uh, to chat about tonight uh, as far as big 10 hoops. Well, the first thing that kind of sticks out in my mind is what is Nebraska going to be this year? And it's weird to kind of start a Big Ten basketball podcast with Nebraska. I realize that, especially with Indiana on the rise and the two Michigan teams that you're very aware of um, probably mm -hmm. going to be the top two teams in the conference. But Nebraska last year, you had a, you had a coach that was on the hot seat. They didn't make it into the tournament, but they're returning a ton of their talent. Um, and, and down the line, they won 10 of their last 12 games. So what I'm really interested in is to see where Nebraska is at and how this program fares this season. Yeah, Nebraska is going to be an interesting one. Um, I got a lot of heat from Nebraska fans last year uh, during the season, you know, when they went on that big run where I think they won, what, like 7-8 or, or something like that, including, you know, a win over Michigan, a road win against Wisconsin, uh, another or a win over Maryland. Um, I, I was never a believer in this concept of Nebraska being like a top 25 team, that kind of thing. Um, I always thought they were a step below and the schedule helped them a lot. Um, but they return a lot. Time. Yeah. They got a, they got a lot of pieces, uh, coming in. This, this team looks intriguing. It's, it's really an experienced roster. Um, and I mean, even, even my criticisms aside, you know, maybe they weren't quite as good as what Nebraska fans thought they were last year. They were a formidable team uh, towards the end of the season. If they had played like that from day one uh, through the end of the regular season, they might have made uh, a serious tournament push. Um, and to bring 
essentially that back, add in a few new pieces, um, that's exciting. And I, I think one of the pieces that really could be an X factor for them this year is uh, Thomas Allen. Um, pretty big time recruit uh, by Nebraska standards uh, last season and didn't do a ton uh, but he was just a freshman. He was stuck behind some pretty experienced guys. And um, I, I think uh, he's a guy who could really step up. Um, anybody uh, stand out to you as far as the Huskers are concerned? Uh, I'm looking at, obviously, the, the junior forward, Isaiah uh, Roby. Um, he went through the NBA evaluation. He kind of found out exactly what he's going to need to do if he plans on becoming an NBA type of talent. And that coming back, sure. Thomas, you mentioned, you know, the experience of bringing back. I, I was kind of looking and doing a little research on them earlier today, and they're basically returning 75% of their, their scoring, their rebounds, and their assists. And for a 22-win wow. team to return that much generally speaks pretty good to what they should be able to do, um, mm-hmm. whether that's in the Big Ten Conference or even, you know, once they get into the tournament. I'm expecting big things. This is Tim Miles, what, seventh year, I believe, at this point. Um <laughs> It's it's just it's it's an interesting thing. I know uh, it feels weird talking about Nebraska first, but uh, they they have a lot of talent here, and um, will it come together in the way that people over in Nebraska are hoping to? Yeah, I, I agree. And you know, there's there's a couple ways to to sort of look at this. I mean, there's the half uh, the glass half full approach, which you're you're kind of talking about. I mean, there's a lot of pieces here. There's like a lot of guys who have proven they can play at this level and be productive which is obviously encouraging. You know, we've seen teams do this type of thing before where uh, they return just about everyone, maybe add in one extra piece, you know, one other guy, you know, quote unquote blows up. Um, you know, I, I'd say Iowa did that for a couple of years uh, back yep. when they were, they were really tearing it up. Um, you know, they would bring in, they'd have that one guy who would blow up, you know, it was Jock one year, it was Utah another year. Um, that's, that's the, yeah, yeah. That, that's the glass half full approach here you know, that Nebraska is going to be able to take what was a pretty promising season and turn it into something special. Um, the other side of the coin here, and I'm, I'm not trying to be down, um, it's just why Nebraska, you know, to illustrate your point, is so interesting is, you know, the other side of the coin here is uh, they could be like Northwestern last year where they bring back a lot of stuff, but it just doesn't gel as well. Um they did get fortunate, and I'm referring to Northwestern right now. They got a little fortunate um, in some of those games, and they sort of regressed to the mean and went a little further down. Um, I'm not saying that's going to happen to Nebraska, but we have seen teams sort of hit their ceiling, and that's about as far as they get. Um, we'll see what happens. I think I agree. I think they're one of the more interesting teams in the Big Ten this year just because if everything goes right, they can be a top 25 team, no problem. Um, but you do wonder, you know, when a guy's coming back for his fourth year, uh, how much can he improve, uh, so to speak, you know, on what he was last year. So it should be fun to, uh, to follow. That is, that is for sure. Um, I think from my perspective, what has kind of stood out to me, and I, this is a very general statement, um, but the Big Ten is so wide open this year. Um, and oh, yeah. I know – I know it's very rare that we have, you know, the unanimous preseason pick or, or something like that. Um, but I, I feel like a lot of the preseason uh, magazines or quote unquote experts, uh, they're picking Michigan or Michigan state. And it feels like they're just picking them by default. 
uh, it does not feel like they're really confident those teams are going to win the Big Ten because I think there's a handful of teams uh, that could absolutely be in the running for the title this year. Uh, Michigan, Michigan State, obviously. Um, Nebraska's won. Uh, Maryland. Um, I mean, Indiana, who knows uh, what what the Hoosiers – yeah, who knows what the Hoosiers are going to look like. Um, But we have seen the addition of a a superstar player, which I'm not saying Langford necessarily is, but if he does live up to the hype, um, it wouldn't be that unprecedented for Indiana to be in that Big Ten title conversation. It's, It's a possibility. Um, and then uh, Maryland as well. Maryland's got uh, a lot more talent than I think people give them credit for. And I think uh, the team that, that really could be set for a bounce back, um, and I'm not trying to talk about every team in the Big Ten here, but um, Wisconsin, I, I think that's a team that could really bounce back this season in a big way. I don't know if they can bounce back far enough to win the Big Ten, um, but I, I really – this is a hard uh, – year to get a grasp on the big 10 because i mean even a team like purdue which lost so much this offseason i mean they still have carson edwards who very well could be the big 10 player of the year this season and anytime you got a guy like that you know you you have a shot um so it it should be wild those those are some of the uh the things i'm thinking of uh do you, do you agree with that you think the big Ten's wide open um or do you you think somebody stands out right now no, I, I agree with you. I think it's the age-old Big Ten adage at this point. It's when in doubt, <laughs> just pick Tom Izzo. And then if that doesn't work, John Beeline's right behind him. Um, <laughs> I think both of those coaches have earned that right at this point. But you're right, Tom. I, I think that any one of these teams, like you mentioned, would I be shocked if Archie Miller got Dwan Morgan and Romeo Langford to the point where that duo bol- bol- bolsters them into the top two, if not the best team in the Big Ten? I wouldn't. And I think mm-hmm. Indiana can absolutely do that. Would I be shocked if those that Maryland recruiting class that's coming in can bolster them up to the top of the Big Ten? I wouldn't be surprised by that either. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I don't know. I don't know if they can. Like, can Carson? It, it, I feel like the, the league at this point is very. It's got a couple big names, but it's mm-hmm. these teams. I don't know if they're full. Like when I look at a, a team like Villanova last year, yeah. I don't see that team here in the Big Ten. I think when it all is said and done with the, the lack of national championships, that should, that's the only thing that really matters from a Big Ten conference perspective. And I still don't think that even if Michigan State, Michigan, or Nebraska, they might be good in Big Ten standards, but I don't think they're national championship good. You know, I, I agree with that. And I think that's something, you know, I, I'd like to spend a, a minute or two talking about here. Um, does, it, does it concern you, uh, the fact that, you know, the Big Ten – the the national championship streak is a real thing. I mean, whatever whatever we say, I mean, it's real. yeah, it's gotten ridiculous. Um, but not only that national championship streak, but the Big Ten was not a great conference last year. I know everybody likes to you know pat their backs and you know they a lot of people want us to be cheerleaders here at at BT Powerhouse. But I mean, Ken Palm had the Big Ten fifth overall, and frankly, I don't know if I disagreed that much. Now. You, you could say like, oh, well, you know, maybe if, if we're talking about the, the top half, you know, maybe it's a little different discussion, whatever. Um, the Big Ten only had four teams make the NCAA tournament last year. That, that was a low point uh, for going back a while now. Does it concern you that, you know, the Big Ten had four NCAA tournament teams um, 
the only team that was in serious final four contention was Michigan, who obviously got to the title game. Um, and now it looks like there isn't a national championship contender this year, which I know Michigan didn't look like one last year either, but uh, does that concern you coming into the season? And from a big 10 uh, perspective, absolutely. Uh, mm-hmm. that's, that's what this whole thing is about. You know, for us as writers for BT powerhouse, you know, we want a contender and multiple contenders would be even better, but this early on, and it is early on, you're absolutely right. We had a three seed make it to the national championship last year and crazier things have happened. Um, but yeah, right now it just doesn't look like we have the, the type of the horses that are going to be able to run this race all the way to the end once again. And I know there's some new coaches here that are starting to build their programs up and that could change in a year or two more. But when you have guys like Tom Izzo, who just even looking at the team right now, I don't know if they're going to be able to contend at that level. That's a problem. I I'm in total agreement. Um, And, you know, we'll get to, you know, maybe what we think the reasons are behind it, but yeah, I, the big 10, like I said, Ken Palm had them as the fifth best conference. Maybe you disagree with that. Maybe you think they're more like fourth or third, whatever. They were like the fifth best conference. And I don't know how you look at the way uh, the off-season departures, what's coming back, and the incoming recruiting classes, and think this conference is going to be better or deeper. Um, you know, may, maybe it happens. You know, maybe some guys who we haven't talked about that much are really going to blow up. Um, but, I mean, let, let, let's just start at the top. I mean, Michigan State lost a ton off last mm-hmm. year's team. Michigan lost a ton. And – I, lo- I like Michigan's incoming recruiting class a lot. Um, Michigan State had some solid uh, younger guys who are going to move into bigger roles this year. But I have a hard time believing that anyone who really knows those rosters thinks they're better uh, situated to win big this year. Um, that's how I feel. Um, and, I mean, you move to the other, the other two teams that made the tournament last year because, again, only four teams made it from the Big Ten. Purdue got gutted. Um, whatever you think of Matt Painter, uh, they lost a lot. I, I don't know how they could possibly be as good as they were last year, unless Carson Edwards becomes like Michael Jordan or LeBron James. Um, Ohio State, another team, they lost so much, including Bates Diop, who really carried them through a lot of games last year. And now, granted, there are teams like Indiana and Maryland who are bringing in a lot. You know, Nebraska, Wisconsin, um, even Iowa, I would say, bring back a lot. Um, but I, I think the pieces moving out uh, are a lot deeper and a lot better than the pieces that are coming in from a conference perspective. Um, I mean, even Rutgers, they lost Corey Sanders. Um, he was their best player for sure. And they were a three-win team? I don't know, five-win uh, team, you say? something like that? Oh, Rutgers, yeah, three-win team in the Big Ten. Um, they went 15, 19 overall. Um, and the thing is, is like, it, it really looks like the big 10 is going to take a step back and it already wasn't, uh, you know, the best conference last year. And I don't think that spells good things for the NCAA tournament and beyond. And the reason I say that is twofold. First off, you know, if the conference is weaker, obviously it's going to be weaker. But the second thing is, is with this extended big 10 schedule, um, of 20 games, and then you add in, you know, you're going to be playing the bottom teams a lot more often. And if 
Illinois stinks, if Rutgers stinks, if Northwestern stinks, and I'm just throwing these teams out there. I, obviously, we don't know who's going to end up at the bottom this year. But – and they start – they pick off one of these top teams. That's going to be devastating from uh, – well, I guess not the RPI perspective anymore, but um, <laughs> it, it's going to hit the resume hard. And I think uh, that that's something that is very dangerous for the Big Ten, um, and I think it's going to hurt them on Selection Sunday. So uh, we'll see. But I guess moving on to that other point, though uh, – I know this is a very big question, but what do you think is the reason that the Big Ten has fallen off? Because the money's there. We all know the TV money is there. The Big Ten makes more money than the ACC. The Big Ten makes more money than the Big 12. Big East, no problem. Um, They got, quote unquote, these big coaches. Um, Why can't the Big Ten uh, put up like, like these other conferences? Part of me kind of thinks it's what you mentioned towards the end there and that it's a, it's a rising tide lifts all boats. And I don't think that those bottom half of those teams have been very good. So the overall Big Ten schedule that these guys are playing and those victories that they're, they're adding on, it wasn't adding to their RPI very much. I think that's part of the issue. And I think the other part is, is that there were coaches that left, and now there's even more coaches that are probably on a hot seat because they're not doing as good of a job. I'm looking at Iowa. Yeah, Iowa does have the potential – to be better and they should be better than they were last year. But at the mm-hmm. same time, like, I, I don't know if I believe in Fran, Fran McCaffrey anymore and what he's doing. I know the offense will be there, but I don't know about anything about the defense. And I think yeah. the same could be said about, you know, you know what Minnesota is doing, what Pat Chambers is doing at Penn state. Like Pat Chambers had one of the, probably one of the best recruiting classes in, and what's he really doing with it? Mm-hmm. I, I just think it's that that aspect of it that the conference as a whole isn't very strong. It's been pretty top heavy, and I think that's shown even in the amount of teams that we're getting into the tournament. I I totally agree, and and to spin off that, I I think it's two things. I think, um, you know what? I'll I'll say three things. I'll amend that. The first thing is is the powers, the recruiting powers in the Big Ten, frankly, have not been do, performing at the level they should be. Per- performing that and Indiana is number one Indiana can recruit with the with anybody um and obviously they haven't they didn't make the tournament last year they weren't even close they were one game over 500 um they haven't made the tournament uh in what two years now um Maryland is the second one Maryland has recruited at an extremely high level and they're not translating that to wins on the court and wins in non-conference and NCAA tournament play. Um, And I I think as well, I'd throw Ohio State into there. The talent that comes out of the state of Ohio, um, and frankly, even last year, you know, they picked it up some, uh, but they still, I mean, they went 25-9. and They finished high in the Big Ten overall record, but um, I I think they they can do better than what they were last year if they continue to recruit well, which uh, Chris Holtman is recruiting well. Uh, we're not going to get too much into recruiting tonight, but um, he can recruit. Uh, and I think he's going to lead them uh, higher than they have been. But uh, yeah, they're the third team. My second point is the Big Ten has had this, uh, I don't know, position that being patient with coaches is a good idea. Um, it's it's not a Big Ten football thing, I will say that much. But it's a Big Ten, it's a Big Ten basketball principle. And it has been for a long time, where the programs will hold on to the coaches with this idea: let them build, 
give them time, let them recruit, let them get these relationships with the high schools, et cetera, et cetera. And I think it has become a detriment. And the schools I, I would look at, um, and I think you hit it right on the head, uh, Minnesota and Penn State, and Penn State specifically, how Pat Chambers has not been fired is still baffling to me. Um, baffling. He had, oh, it's it's astounding. I, I think people really uh, forget how bad his his record is at the school. Um, just just horrendous. Um, he's 113 and 122 overall. That's a 48% winning percentage. He's 38 and 88 in Big Ten play. Um, and the thing is, is some people will be like, well, you know, Penn State's a tough job, blah, blah, blah. Uh, guys, he, what, what is he going into here? Year eight? It has not worked. Um, <laughs> it, it just hasn't. I mean, he's had one winning record in the last three seasons. Like, it, it's not trending anywhere. There's no, there's no reason to think that last year's success is going to continue, which, by the way, last year's success, quote-unquote, was a 500 record in Big Ten play in a down Big Ten and a trip to the NIT, which I know Penn State is not Kentucky, and they don't expect, you know, Final Fours every year, stuff like that. But he's been bad. The results have been bad. And he recruited a class that – most likely he will not replicate um, unless something very bizarre happens and did basically nothing with it. Um, he's one. Minnesota is the other. Uh, the patience with, with Patino, I think, is very interesting, especially with these off-court scandals as well. Um, it's baffling to me that they have essentially just deferred to him because um, he's, he's entering year six here. Um, he has one NCAA tournament appearance uh, so far. You know, maybe they get back this year. I know they have high hopes, but I, I think the patience has really hurt them. And I think the uh, the last thing here is what you said. I think the Big Ten has had this. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to call it sickness or, or this issue, but it, it has had every year. It has two teams that are just horrendous, and it rotates. It's it's not always the same teams, um, but it lately it's been Rutgers. But every year they have these two teams that are so bad, and yet they still pick off enough teams above them that it kills the RPI. They lose to enough teams in non-conference play that their RPI is just horrendous. Um, and I know I'm, I'm going on a rant here, but I, I think it's those three things. I think it's your top teams underperforming, the teams that can't get elite a talent, elite, uh, elite talent, um, it's this overwhelming patience for coaches when they really have given you no reason to be patient. Um, and then the bottom teams are just too bad. Uh, the Big Ten really needs to improve there. They need their bottom three teams. Like Rutgers this year was 130th in Ken Palm, which I know Ken Palm doesn't see the tournament, but it gives you a general idea. The Big East, the worst team was DePaul at 99. So they are 31 spots higher than uh, Rutgers last year. That's a huge gap. <laughs> um, and it, it, it's something the Big Ten has to work on. So uh, so those are kind of the thoughts, I guess, as far as where the Big Ten's sitting right now. It's it, not a super optimistic outlook, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, we, we've seen crazier things happen. Maybe they can, they can outperform it. But let's move on to the, the next 
topic here for tonight. And the one that I, I'd really like to touch on, which is uh, the Big Ten schedule release. Um, it's been a couple of weeks now uh, since, the, since the schedule came out, um, but it, it was pretty big news when it, when it popped up. Um, as you will surely recall, uh, this is the first year the Big Ten is moving to a, um, uh, what do I want to say, 20-game um, schedule. They are guaranteeing certain rivalry matchups. For instance, Michigan, Michigan State will play twice a year. Indiana, Purdue will play twice a year. Illinois, Northwestern will play twice a year. Um, what, what are your basic reactions to the 20-game slate, to those guaranteed rivalry games? Um, and did anything stick out to you, I guess, as, as far as the actual schedule release? I'm probably going to stand on the corner here because I know you wrote about it uh, a couple weeks ago when this came out. <laughs> but the closing of the Big Ten league in and of itself, I know we just bashed on it, but the last month of Big Ten play is going to be fantastic. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch, and I think that's the thing that stands out the most. Um, I know you probably have some more to touch on there. But just knowing that we have a Michigan State, Michigan, Maryland, Penn State, Michigan State at Indiana, like there's just so many games that are going to come up towards the end there that are probably going to have a big factor in where these teams eventually get seated both in the Big Ten tournament and the NCAA tournament. Um, I know it's a little finicky at the beginning and it's a little awkward and some people don't really enjoy starting the Big Ten season and then going back to some non-conference games. But I think ultimately this 20-game the 20 big game schedule in conference is a, is a really good thing. And um, now that they have the time to kind of spread this out a little bit more, um, I, I think it's ultimately good for the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'll be honest. Uh, do I wish the big 10 could avoid this 20 game schedule? Yes. Um, but with the addition of Maryland and Rutgers, um, it's, it's just necessary at this time. If you want your major teams playing each other, if you want to set up, those marquee matchups that everyone's looking forward to. Um, you got to have the 20 game schedule. You got to guarantee the rivalry. And I know I've talked about this on the podcast so many times. So for those of you who've listened to them, all of these rantings, forgive me. Um, but I'm sorry. You want Michigan playing Michigan state. You want Indiana playing Purdue. Those are huge games. And in a sport where the only time that the world's eye is on college basketball is in March and one weekend in April. Otherwise, college basketball is always in the rear end, uh, the rearview mirror. It, it, it's just reality. I mean, it starts college football and NFL is going on. Um, it gets to winter. The NBA and NHL are starting to take over. It's only in that narrow window does college basketball really stand out. And the thing is, is when you have games, which, um, you know, as I mentioned, I live in the Detroit area. Um, we're, we're a city. We have four professional sports teams. We have two Big Ten teams. Um, obviously, Michigan, Michigan State are not both in Detroit, but in the, in the general area. And I can tell you, when Michigan and Michigan State play in college basketball, it takes over sports radio for that day, those couple of days. That's the only game. Not when Michigan plays Ohio State. Not when you know Michigan is playing Penn State. Um, whatever. But that game takes over, and I have no doubt at all. It's it's similar for those other. Uh, rivals around the league, specifically Indiana, Purdue, those kind of games. And the thing is, is why would you want to lose those national spotlight games just so, oh, well, we got to play Rutgers on a Tuesday night. We got to play Illinois um, on this night. And uh, again, 
there are great matchups that, you know, Rutgers will have, though, great matchups Illinois will have. Every Big Ten team is going to have at least one really, really exciting game that people want to watch this year. But, again, why I don't know why you would want to sacrifice, like, a great opportunity uh, to watch teams like that play. Um, it's great marketing for your league. It's great marketing for college basketball, and it's going to get eyes tuned tuned in. Um, and I think the uh, your point as well, um, I, I think that's good. Uh, for the league long-term. Um, additionally, I, I agree. I, I know people have issue with the early December games. Um, and for those who aren't familiar what we're talking about here, uh, last year the Big Ten played that compressed schedule because they wanted to play the Big Ten tournament in Madison Square Garden. As such, they had to move two Big Ten games up into the first, what, the first weekend or a week of December. Um, a lot of people didn't like that because that's not traditionally when the Big Ten games start. Um, they're going to continue doing it, and that's where they're going to add the extra two games because it used to be 18 games. Now it's 20. Uh, I, I like it because, frankly, usually the first week of December in college basketball uh, has some pretty terrible games. Um, it's, a lot of, it's a lot of playing Arkansas Valley Tech, you know, INT. I don't know. Um, it's – it's a lot of games against schools you have no idea uh, and have never heard of, um, at least your Joe Schmo uh, fan. And I think if they look at the schedule and they're like, oh, hey, you know, Michigan is playing Purdue, which I know is one of the games, uh, that's a big-time game uh, for December. And no, really most of the other leagues are not doing this. Uh, so the Big Ten really gets to take uh, the national audience by storm that first week. So I like it. I think it's fun. Um, I like spacing them out a little bit, the, the bigger games. Um, and then the last point I would just add is I think you are totally right. Um, like you mentioned, I, I wrote about this for those interested uh, on BT Powerhouse, but the closing slate this year is great. The Big Ten did a really good job in picking the closing games. Um, Michigan's going to play Maryland. Michigan State's going to play Indiana. Michigan and Michigan State play twice in like the last two weeks of the season or something. Um, it's going to be awesome. There are going to be a lot of big time games. The big 10 title is probably going to be decided in that stretch. A uh, lot of pressure for seeding. Um, they're just going to be a lot of great games uh, across the league. So I'm, I'm excited about that. I think they did a really good job. Um, I'm interested to see, I haven't spent a ton of time looking as far as the timing of the games. Uh, the big 10 has had a bit of a scheduling issue in my opinion on uh, primetime games, they seem to be very hesitant to have Saturday night games for whatever reason. Uh, as I said, to be honest, I haven't looked at it. I don't know if that's the case, but that's the other thing I, I was hoping to see. I think the general selection of the games uh, really turned out well uh, for the Big Ten. But uh, any any other thoughts uh, there regarding um, just the general Big Ten schedule this year? No, I think I'm glad you brought up the point about how fun it is going to be at the beginning too, because like as somebody that went to Iowa is pretty involved with that, that part of uh, the big mm-hmm. 10 realm as well. They play UMKC green Bay, and then they kind of get into this nice little groove here with, with a couple of the, you know, the 2k classic and the ACC big 10 challenge. But what's really cool is they go from Pittsburgh. So they play Pitt, then they play Wisconsin at Michigan state and then play Iowa State, Northern Iowa, and then get into their cream puffs. So, like, just adding those wow. two games, those Big Ten games in there, it just adds another, like, realm of 
I get to see Iowa tested early this year. And then I get to compare them at the end, like you mentioned before and I mentioned at the beginning here, I get to see how they play against Wisconsin and Nebraska in March to finish the Big Ten slate, both on the road. Mm-hmm. So those teams are going to be very different looking, but it's just a nice way so I can see how Iowa tested early, and then I can kind of see how they finish the season. And I think that's really important. This, is, this has been ingrained in me for a very long time. I played high, at a high level, high school basketball, went to college to play, ended up transferring to Iowa, but that doesn't matter. But we, the coach that I played for always scheduled the hardest non-out-of-conference teams, if you will, just to test us early so then when it came to our conference, which we won like seven straight years in a row, we were ready. And <laughs> yeah. the Big Ten is going to be doing that. And I think that is ultimately going to be good for the league once these coaches get their recruits going in and all of a sudden – you know, when things change a little bit from being a top-heavy league to an all-around solid eight-team league. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point, too. I mean, most of these other conferences, as, as you mentioned, you know, they're, they're playing Cream Puff U. They're playing uh, Baby Seal <laughs> Tech. Uh, it's, it's nothing. You know, the, the spread for half these games are like 30 points, if, if that. And well, fans don't want right. – yeah, fans don't want to go to those games – Nobody wants to watch those games. Um, I mean, we'll watch them because we're desperate for college basketball. Um, but people want the interesting games. And I, I think this is going to do a lot uh, to add to that. And I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, I mean, I wish this wasn't necessary just because um, I do think in certain seeding situations, it could be a little bit of a disadvantage, but you know what? It is what it is. And I, I think it's going to add a lot this year, but um one final thing I did want to touch on, though, before we go, um, the Gavit game schedule, the Big Ten ACC challenge schedule, they both came out since our last podcast. Um, so I wanted to touch on them briefly just to get your thoughts. Um, I'll start with the, the Gavit games. Um, and for those who need a, a reminder, this is the Big Ten Big East challenge. Happens basically the second week of the season. Um, not all the teams participate, considering that the Big East does not have 14 teams. Um, so a couple of the Big Ten teams have to sit out. Uh, but it's been, I think, every year so far, the Big Ten and Big East have tied, uh, which is kind of bizarre. But um, but this year's schedule, uh, you get Wisconsin at Xavier, Georgetown at Illinois. Um, the big one, uh, November 14th, Michigan at Villanova, rematch of that national championship game. Uh, Marquette at Indiana, Seton Hall at Nebraska. Um, Ohio State plays Creighton, and then there's uh, a couple other games sprinkled in there. Um, anything stand out to you? Any takeaways uh, as far as the Gavit games are concerned? Uh, it's it's going to be great. The fact that we get to see Marquette, who I'm a big believer in on the Big East Conference, go against an Indiana team, which I also believe in right off the jump. It's, it's just another one of those things where it's an exciting – it's exciting for college basketball. There's a lot of times at the beginning of the season where we're still, still so absorbed with, you know, whether it's college football or NFL football or even the NBA where a lot of these games get overlooked. And having these types of marquee matchups for college basketball junkies and people that, like you mentioned before, maybe want to gamble on it or people that just mm. want to watch solid college basketball – this is something that's going to get them to tune in early and see some of these teams before they tune back in in February and March. And when you have a matchup like Marquette and Indiana and Michigan and Villanova, which is going to be fantastic to watch, despite the fact that, yes, Michigan lost a couple people from that team last year. But 
I'm excited for the Gavit games. I think it's going to be a tremendous way to open up the season and get everybody in Big Ten country kind of jacked up based on the performances. Yeah, I'm, a, I, I'm in total agreement. Uh, and to be honest, I don't really have much to add. I think it will be a lot of fun games. Who knows what to expect considering it's so early in the season. Uh, the Michigan-Villanova game is obviously the, the headliner just due to the national championship game last year. Um, but that Marquette-Indiana game is a sleeper. Wisconsin-Xavier, another sleeper. So it should be fun. Um, but moving on to the other big non-conference event uh, for the Big Ten, Big Ten ACC Challenge. Um, kind of a – this was an interesting year. Uh, there were a lot of rematches, um, like Rutgers-Miami. They just played uh, Michigan State-Louisville. They just played – um, but there, there are certainly some good games here. Um, Illinois, Notre Dame, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by. Um, North Carolina at Michigan, obviously you're going to get a lot of the, the Fab Five uh, chat before that game. Uh, Syracuse at Ohio State's another one, and then Purdue, Florida State, uh, both the Boilermakers and Seminoles are really good teams last year. Uh, anything stick out to you as far as the Big Ten ACC challenge is concerned? People are going to start thinking I'm a big Indiana homer, but Indiana Duke and Sam oh, Zion geez, Williamson, yeah. uh, just seeing those two go up against each other between Romeo Langford and Zion and, and the, the team that Duke has. Um, again, it, it's just another great thing at the beginning of the season. Um, I'm not so pumped about uh, some of them. Like the fact, and this all stems from Iowa having to play Pitt. Like this is the worst <laughs> time for Iowa to play Pitt. It's not helping our RPI, sorry, our net rating. Like I just am not amused by this at all, but there are some pretty <laughs> decent matchups here. Um, but the, the headliner for me is probably going to be that Duke, Indiana and that UNC Michigan game. Yeah. Yeah. Those should be fun. I, I think there'll be a blast. Um, but with that, uh, I'll probably call it a night here. Um, any, any final thoughts to add here as far as the schedule is concerned uh, and, and basic off season stuff? No, um, I, I think we pretty much touched it all. I'm excited for the season to start. I do have one question for you because we haven't spoken, you and I. Um, what are your thoughts on Xavier Simpson's outlook this year? Um, he, he should be an interesting one uh, for Michigan. Um, great, great defensive player. Um, I think he, he will play a lot just because of his defense. Um, the, one, the one thing for Michigan is, you know, this – as I mentioned, they're, they're rec- they got a really good recruiting class this year. I know um, people – how do I want to say this? Um, <laughs> uh, I know. It, I threw you for a loop here. I put you on the spot. Yeah, no, no. It, it, it's one of those things where, like, I halfway, like, want to de- decrease the view of the recruiting class while also increasing it. it. It's one of those classes where, like, everyone's just below – the level where they would really attract a lot of attention. Uh, like um, they got uh, Iggy, who's like a small forward. Uh, he's actually out of Canada, but he's like the high end four star, but he's not quite a five star. So nobody pays attention. You know, Brandon Johns, a, a really nice top 100 player too. Um, but they got a, a kid out of Detroit, uh, David DeJulius, really, really big offensive player. I, I think honestly, he's going to pass um, uh uh, their backups there uh, that they had last year, uh, Eli Brooks. Um, and I, I think he's going to take a lot of those backup minutes um, in, as far as point guard is concerned. But I think Xavier Simpson's going to get a lot of minutes. I think he's going to be an outstanding defensive player. Um, but he has his limitations. He's not a great shooter. Uh, he's never going to be a uh, unstoppable offensive force or, a, or anything like that. And the one thing Michigan is going to have to figure out, which – 
this isn't quite in relation to your, to your question, but um, they do not have a lot of great shooters for next season. Wagner was a great outside shooter. Duncan Robinson was a great outside shooter. Uh, Marr was a great outside shooter. They are all gone. Um, Livers was a decent guy. Poole was a decent guy, but they do not have the sharpshooters this year that they've had most years under beeline. So how they're going to address that, you know, can they get someone like DeJulius I was just talking about to step up? Uh, it'll be an interesting uh, question, but I, I think Simpson's going to get a lot of minutes. I think he's an all big 10 defensive player candidate. Uh, I do not think he will be the team's best player or, or anything like that, but it should be, it should be interesting. Um, do you, you have any thoughts uh, regarding Simpson? Uh, he's, he's, he was a glaring hole for me in the national championship. I thought when he was on the floor, Villanova attacked him, um, and they kind of just let him kind of float around and were daring him to shoot. And I think for yeah. Michigan to be that team that can maybe potentially challenge to make a Sweet 16 and maybe go on a little run again, um, I, I was kind of curious on your opinion as as the Michigan guy, at least in my in my eyes, what you kind of <laughs> saw from him last year and what do you expect in this year? Because like you mentioned, Michigan – is going to have trouble shooting the basketball and yep. the way college basketball is going in that, that type of Villanova offense, the more shooters, the more better. It's going to be very close to the NBA. These teams are going to continue to try to get shooters out there. And as these kids that are coming up in AAU and high school ball right now, they're seeing the Steph Curry's and the Clay Thompson's of the world. They're starting to shoot better as well. And if you can't space the floor, I know that the big 10 still likes to play bully ball and, and we all love <laughs> that type of basketball and, you know, as long as Purdue has two monsters on the floor at the same time, we're all happy. But, you know, you're going to have to be able to shoot to contend for a national championship. Yeah. And, um, I was kind of curious on what you saw for Michigan. Yeah, yeah, I'm kind of with you. I, I think they can win a lot of games uh, with him playing a serious role. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I'm not sure if they can win a national championship with him having a huge role on offense. Um, but uh, they definitely won't win big if, if he's uh, – their, their top contributor, uh, that's for sure. But uh, but still, solid defender. Should be interesting to watch. Um, but with that, I'm going to call it a night. Uh, as I said, uh, Thomas Bendit here, the host. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at TBendit. Um, Jerry, where can uh, people check out your stuff? You can follow me on Twitter, at Jerry Sherwin, uh, S-C-H-E-R-W-I-N, not like the paint. Um, and I also write for BT Powerhouse and Blackheart Gold Pants, another SB Nation site. Awesome. Well, thanks again to everyone who checked us out, and we will see you all next time. Take care, guys.